Hello, hello, and welcome everybody back for another episode of the Marvel Podcast with yours truly, Evan Cormack. Sorry about not uploading last week, just want to get a couple things clear. I was very sick, so therefore I was unable to come to school and I was unable to record any videos, so I wasn't able to get a video out last week, but here we are back at it again this week. I will say I gave updates on my Instagram, so make sure you go give it a follow, the.marvelgalaxy, for all the updates for the show, when new episodes are posted, and that's also where you guys can interact and give me feedback about how we're doing. Today we have a little bit more of a Star Wars-themed episode. We have missed, since the last time I recorded, we have missed two episodes of Andor, and we've also gotten Tales of the Jedi, which I am absolutely excited to talk about. As far as Andor goes, there haven't been very much large advancements in the story. It's a very slow, methodical story. Uh, But after the end of Episode 9, which is kind of what I'll talk about, because Episode 8 was kind of more of the same that we've seen. Um, You got introduced to the prison that Andor's being held um, and kind of like the remnants of him getting captured in the Empire, still trying to figure out who Luthen is and kind of like that whole bigger picture. But Episode 9 is almost the same and it's it's getting to the point where I still like Andor the show. I still very like it. I still will watch it. It's good. It's one of those TV shows where I'm watching it and I'm just constantly intrigued and happy while I'm watching it. You know, like I'm not sitting on the edge of my seat. There aren't any things that happen to where I'm kind of like freaking out about to where I'm sitting it and they're like, "Oh my god, oh my god. Like I can't believe this is happening." But it's also not, it's not bad. So I'm just, I just kind of sit there in enjoyment watching the entire thing. And I really kind of like the ending, or at least the last like 10, 15 minutes is what it felt like of episode nine. Basically, we have Andor and the gentleman that watches over him, like kind of like the guard of his like sector. I believe he's on floor five, sector like D or something. And... The entire episode, Andor is basically planning on an escape. You know, he wants to get out of there. He doesn't want to serve his six-year sentence. And this other guy has, what, I think like 210 shifts left. So he's very numb to the system. He's just like another day, another shift. Everybody stay in line. Do what you're supposed to, and nobody has to get hurt. No one will get punished. Just do as you're told, basically. And throughout this entire thing, Andor is just like, how many guards are on each floor? I need to know for my escape. I have everything else mapped out. I just need to know who or how many I'm going up against. So the episode kind of progresses along, and he tries to get it, and the, the guy is just like, listen, people have tried to break out of here. It's not going to work. I have 200 shifts left. Just leave me alone. Do what you're told. Serve your sentence and save it for when I'm not in control of you. And the entire episode, the old man is kind of like getting weaker. We can tell something's wrong. Maybe he's sick and they just don't take care of him because that's not what they do in these prisons. And towards the end of the episode, he, I think, has like a heart attack is what it looked like or some type of a stroke. Um... And Andor has to help him. But at the same time that this is going on, there's, between each of the pillars, you you could do, like, kind of, like, sign language. And people are signing, you know, something terrible has happened on floor two. And that's kind of, like, the big mystery is everyone's like, well, what happened on floor two? What's going on with floor two? 
And towards the end of the episode, the old man has a stroke and they call basically like a, a medical personnel, like a doctor, to come and check up on him. And the medical person just comes in, says, yeah, there's like nothing we can do for him and just elects to kill him. And Andor's like, well, what do you, what? What do you mean you can't save him? You're a doctor. This is what you're supposed to do. And he's like, trust me, he's going to be a lot better off dead right now than the, what the rest of us are going to have to go through. And Andor just kind of looks at his buddy and then at the med evac. And they share a look of just like, what? You heard what I said. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, what happened on floor two? And the doctor kind of looks at the main prison guard and is like, I need some, I need, um, oh, I think he needs like a body bag or whatever. He's like, I need this. And the guard is like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And so he keeps trying to tell people that, you know, what happened on floor two. And it basically gets let out that they just killed everyone. They just killed everyone. And then the main kind of director of floor five, the floor that Andor's on, is kind of like, well, what about this guy? He had like 100 shifts left. And they were like, no, they killed him. And it kind of sinks in like, and they look at each other and they're just like, no one's getting out of here. And once that sets in, the guard kind of has enough, comes over and he's like, all right, that's it. Doctor can do what the doctor is. You both are done here. Get back to your cell. And as they're walking away, he asks the guy, he says, how many guards on each floor? And he looks at him and he just goes, never more than 12. And the episode ends. And that was probably for the first time this entire series that I kind of got out of my seat a little bit. I was like, oh, shit, things are happening. It's getting groovy now. Next episode, I feel like now is going to be big. And I think what really did it in for me was when Andor joins the Rebels to kind of steal the payroll from the Empire. Everyone's already on board. Okay, it's more or less can Andor gain these people's acceptance rather than, all right, let's get on board with this rebellion and let's go fight and let's go steal from the Empire. Whereas this guy is really already just used to the system. He almost is an embodiment of the system. Just do what you're told, and we can get out of here, serve your sentence, and then you can finally get your freedom. He is so anti-escape, and he is so pro-rules. Many times he just tells his men, you know, just like, shut up, stand in line, do what you're told. He's like screaming this big authoritative type figure. And then Andor kind of is just slowly breaking him down. And then when you realize that all hope is lost, that they're just killing the prisoners the closer they are to their release date, is when he realizes, okay, I have the power, I have the knowledge to get us out of here. And it's really awesome to see, and that kind of makes me excited for the next episode to see kind of like that prison break, to see where we're at with this. Now, I want to transition into Tales of the Jedi because that's really all I have for Andor because it's such a slow series that it's kind of hard to put into perspective what all, like there's not a lot of things to theorize and things to talk about when it comes to Andor because it's very self-explanatory, there aren't any hidden messages other than Luthen's gift shop with like the Easter eggs, but that's not really, you know, relevant to the story itself. Um, you still have the senator kind of trying to battle for peace, quietly start a rebellion. But other than that, there's really nothing that's kind of going on that's of interest that is pointing towards other things because we know what happens to Andor in Rogue One. So it's kind of like it has to be a self-explanatory 
kind of series. Now, something that wasn't self-explanatory was Tales of the Jedi, and by God, did it kill any expectations that I had for it at all. It was absolutely wonderful in every sense of the way. It, it was beautiful. Now, I will say my only critique was episode one, Life and Death. So, all of the episodes were rather short. They didn't feel short, though, while I was watching it. Like, yes, they could have been longer. Would I have liked them to be longer? Yes. But at the end of the day, I am very okay with the length, and I was watching it, and I was happy. What I didn't like about Life and Death was that it felt like it was the longest episode, and it didn't need to be. So what I didn't like about Life and Death was it was just Ahsoka's birth story and how people discovered, oh, she's going to be a Jedi. She's going to become a Jedi. Like, that's her calling in life. It was lackluster because it was just, we saw her family, we saw her village, which was nice. But it was very long and drawn out about how she could connect with beings through the Force. And how kind of like the old lady of the village, like probably like the leader or what have you, just kind of like, oh, Ahsoka is to become a Jedi. It was very neat to see, don't get me wrong, but I feel like they could have wrapped it up within like 12 minutes and gave one of these other episodes, preferably one of the episodes with Count Dooku, more time to kind of just give us more content. Um, there's rumors that there might be a season two of Tales of the Jedi, which I really hope for, because, let me tell you, these episodes two, three, and four, the ones with Count Dooku, absolutely just slapped. They were so damn good. It was amazing to me how good they were for how short they were. So in Justice, you see a really, really young Count Dooku. And it was one of those things where it was I was in awe from start to finish of the episode. It's a short episode, so all of these are short. I Please go watch them if you haven't already. They are just absolute masterpieces. Dave Filoni just serves yet again. It's beautiful. But with Justice, you get a young Count Dooku, the same voice actor that did him in The Clone Wars, came back to do this, and he did not miss. Oh my god, this was beautiful. You get to see a young Qui-Gon Jinn, and from the from the get-go, you kind of see the struggle that we witnessed throughout the entire Clone Wars of the Jedi Council. There are people like that follow the rules on the Council and the High Council, and then we have people that are seeing what the galaxy is and how the Jedi are feared in terms of they don't help. They're not peacekeepers. They have their rules, and they're basically pawns of the Senate, is kind of the vibe that we get from these episodes. And Count Dooku is like, well, the Jedi Council didn't send us. We're here to help. We're here to do recon and see why the senator's son is missing. But if something needs done about it, then let me do something about it. So we see the senator comes to take back his son, and Count Dooku just goes off. He just starts beating the shit out of all of the guards. And it was just, it was so satisfying as a Star Wars fan to finally get pre-Phantom Menace Star Wars content because I feel like that is what we are all fiending for. And in the grand scheme of things with Star Wars, and there was a time when, or at least I thought when the sequels came out, that like, wow, Star Wars might be done for. Like, Star Wars, seeing Star Wars content might be done for because that was terrible. 
And the community just didn't like it. Even the actors didn't like it. Nobody liked it. Like, I'm pretty sure the directors would go back and change so much if they could. But it was one of those things where now that you have all of this in between episode three and episode four content and post episode six content, we haven't gotten the pre episode one content that we've really loved. And I was very curious where these three episodes were going to go. And it was almost, it was so beautifully done. Dave Filoni is just an absolute mastermind when it comes to Star Wars, especially this Clone Wars animation style content. Because we see in episode two, it's pre Phantom Menace. And we see a young Qui-Gon Jinn. We see the, the kind of love that Count Dooku has for Qui-Gon Jinn and what Qui-Gon is able to offer Count Dooku. And he looks at him and he says, you're so much of a wiser Jedi than I am. And it's, you know, parallels to when Qui-Gon says to Obi-Wan that you are much wiser than I am. The, the wording is different, but the message is still the same to whereas these Jedi Masters are training their Padawans and they realize very early on that my views are different from the council in a very extreme way. But my Padawan, for the moment, is following in those footsteps of the high council. He's a lot better of a person than I am. So you see Count Dooku almost be relentless and he talks and he's like, it's very good because the voice actor just knew what to do. You could tell that Count Dooku was already at that point where he was teetering on, am I a Jedi? Do I just want to help in the galaxy? Am I a Sith? But they didn't know about the Sith at this point. There was no mention of the Sith, or they were just a mystery, or so we thought. So then we go into episode three, to where they investigate, and it's Count Dooku and Mace Windu. And we see this big duality. Count Dooku's a little bit older. We see this massive duality of... Mace Windu is just all about the High Council. He serves the Jedi Code to a T. Argues with Count Dooku a lot. Count Dooku is like, no, there's something fishy going on here about the death of one of our Jedi Masters. I want to do something about it. And Mace Windu is like, no, we need to follow the code. We need to gather the evidence and reconvene with the Jedi Council. And Count Dooku, you know, senses something is up. And basically does the same thing again to where he just goes ape shit on all of the guards. And you see kind of like that dark energy. And Mace Windu is kind of just like, whoa, what the hell is going on here? And basically they get back to the temple. And the ending of the episode is Count Dooku, the, the Jedi that was killed. Count Dooku talks to Mace Windu and he's like, I hear you're taking her seat on the high council. And he was like, the Jedi have believed that I am ready to take her seat. Yes, I will let them know how brave you were today in combat and what you have done for me. And you see that deep kind of jealousy between Count Dooku and Mace Windu. Because at this point, Count Dooku is much older than Mace Windu and probably all around a better warrior, a better Jedi. It's just he does not agree with everything the Jedi Code was seeing. He saw more than the Jedi wanted to see. So we see that kind of deep bitterness where he doesn't like Mace Windu. So in episode two, when we see that interaction, it makes a lot more sense. And it was one of those things where I could just watch Dooku. Like, I, I want another a prequel to the prequels about Count Dooku. Because I feel like Count Dooku and Anakin are very similar. I feel like they are very, very similar. And that was kind of my hot takeaway from all of this. Is those three episodes almost reminded me of the rise and fall of Anakin. 
We see Count Dooku, a promising Jedi that wants to make change within the world. We see episode 3, which is uh, titled Choices, to where Dooku still wants to do good, but he is not afraid to use brute force and his utter skill as a warrior to get his way. And then in episode 4, The Sith Lord, we see his eventual fall to the dark side because he was manipulated by Palpatine to do things against the Jedi Code. He knew they were wrong, but he already knew he was down a dark path that he couldn't come back from. And that is literally Anakin Skywalker's story summed up in 45 minutes. It was absolutely insane, and the Sith Lord was a beautiful, beautiful story. Like, I, like sitting here talking about these, literally later today, I might go back and rewatch these episodes, because that is just how good they were. I want more. Like, they were so... Oh, I just can't get over how good they were. Because in The Sith Lord, we finally get the answers to where Dooku comes back, deletes the files on Kamino from the Jedi Archives. He uses the codes from sifo So we kind of get that gap to where we see, oh, that's why there's nothing in the Jedi Archives about Kamino. And that's how... It ties in a little bit to how Count Dooku used sifo name to start the Clone Wars. And it also gives insight to how Count Dooku was not involved in the Jedi Order a lot or at all. Because he comes back, uses sifo code, people still refer to him as Master, but he's just kind of there. And he's very solemn, and then people talk to him about rumors that are going on that his apprentice, Qui-Gon Jinn, encountered a Sith Lord on Tatooine. And Count Dooku is basically like, yes, I've told the Jedi that the Sith are on the rise, yet they refuse to believe me. And it's just absolutely amazing because we see this, and, and I love the little details like, how over these three episodes we see Dooku's beard grow, we see more of that young, yet this is like Clone Wars era Count Dooku, to where he's older, he has the beard, and he has just basically fully rejected the Jedi Council. And we see him walking around the temple. It was kind of nice because we've seen these shots before in the Clone Wars. It was just kind of nice to be in a familiar place, but yet at a different time period. And we get to see um, kind of like, middle and post-episode one content to where he talks to Qui-Gon Jinn and Yaddle as they're talking and Count Dooku is basically just like, so you've encountered a Sith Lord. And Qui-Gon Jinn, who was voiced by Liam Neeson, it's the little things, people. It's the voice actors that we know and love that gives us this new appreciation for the characters. And This is where Count Dooku kind of says, I'm so proud of the Jedi that you've grown to be. You are so much wiser and just better than I am. And then he kind of, I think, I believe Count Dooku asks, you know, may I talk to Yaddle real quick, basically, is what he says. And he talks to Yaddle, and they're kind of catching up, but he's just like, there's an impending darkness that the Jedi refuse to listen to me about. They refuse to hear me out. And Yaddle is just like, I hear you out, kind of. And then she's like, interesting. And there's a parallel to where they part ways and Dooku just walks down a dark, it's like a non-lit hallway and Yaddle walks towards the light. And then they pan to this tree. 
And if you're a fan of the Clone Wars, there's the same tree that Yoda has a vision to where Dooku is standing with Qui-Gon Jinn, basically, like if nothing bad ever happened, look at how happy the Jedi would be if Count Dooku never turned, etc. And Yaddo comes to talk to him and says the Jedi are leaving for Qui-Gon Jinn's funeral. And you get kind of just like Count Dooku is sitting there and he's very, very upset. You can see how much Qui-Gon meant to him. And it's, again, that reiteration. All of the times he reiterates it, it's kind of like in different phrases, but the same gist is to where, see, the Jedi didn't believe me. Now the galaxy is in danger and the Sith are taking over. I told you guys about the darkness that was to come. And so then we cut to where Dooku gets in his ship He's flying down, he meets with Emperor Palpatine, but Yaddo has a suspicion, she senses something in the Force, and she follows him. And then we get this amazing duel between Count Dooku and Yaddo. It's awesome, it's epic, it's something we've always wanted to see because we kind of know what happens to Yaddo, we just haven't seen it yet. And voila! Her and Dooku duel it out. We see the Yaddle, actually, which surprised me, being that she was from Yoda's species. It shows how amazing just how advanced Yoda was. Her lightsaber dueling wasn't as good as Yoda's. It was good, don't get me wrong, she's a grandmaster. But it was like Dooku really had a, a tough time fighting against Yoda. And Yaddle, he still was difficult, but he was also... I also feel like this shows how powerful Dooku was at this time leading up to the Clone Wars because he was still rather young, but he was almost in his prime. And he was just beginning to embrace the dark side, so he was really strong. They basically have a battle, and Count Dooku massively overpowers Yaddle, and Yaddle kind of tries to tell him, listen, Dooku, I would have believed you i did believe you i was going to try and talk to the jedi council i was going to give up my seat and it was one of those things where as a fan you're just sitting there and you're watching and you're like wow this is wild yaddle yaddle didn't believe in what the jedi were doing she was going to give up her seat to dooku it's the biggest what if in the star wars community and i know marvel did it star wars needs to have a what if series they could do so much with it. It's just absolutely insane what all they'd be able to do with it. And so we have Yaddle, and at the end of the battle, Dooku wins. And it was just, it was beautiful because this was something we've been wanting to see for so, so long. So long. And we finally got it, and they did not miss at all. We had episode 5 and episode 6, which picked back up with Ahsoka. And it was really beautiful because it was almost just like Anakin... Getting his Padawan, we saw a really, really young Ahsoka. They were training her. Anakin was really hard on her. And it was just one of those things where it was like a time lapse of showing you just how amazing and promising Ahsoka was as a Padawan. We saw some little cameos, a young Kanan Jarrus. And we saw that progression to where, as okay, now it's like the middle of the Clone Wars. And... She's still practicing, and she's gotten much better, and she's telling the clones to not take it so easy on her, and she goes, and they're like, all right, tr let's try not to hit me for five minutes, and then they have this absolutely beautiful, and I mean beautiful, transition to where she's going, she's training, and someone hits her, and she blacks out, and then she wakes up, and it's the transition to right after Order 66. The last episode of The Clone Wars Season 7, and 
it is that little flash to where Rex looks at her and says, I hope all that practice paid off. I haven't rewatched, I rewatched The Clone Wars recently, but I've now moved on to Rebels, so I'm not sure if he exactly says that in Episode 7 as well, and they're just reiterating it, or Season 7, excuse me. But it was, I literally was laying down, I sat up, and my jaw just hit the floor because of how beautifully mapped out that was because it was like a training montage but at the same time you saw really young Anakin training her which was cool to see in his Clone Wars outfit you saw Obi-Wan Kenobi but then it's like transition to where it's like the middle of the Clone Wars and then it's the end of Order 66 it was absolutely amazing and then it transitioned into like finishing up there And then episode six was just resolved to where Ahsoka had left the Jedi Order. She is not using the Force anymore. This is kind of like the gapping between the end of season seven and the beginning of Rebels, or at least where we see Ahsoka in Rebels, to where she has just completely cut herself off from the Force. After Order 66 happened, she felt as it was best just leave the force behind but someone's in danger she uses the force someone else notices tells on her this interesting inquisitor he was really cool looking he had like this weird mask on that was like kind of skull it was all around it was just really good what the inquisitor looked like and he was basically burned down this entire village he held the boy hostage that tattled on ahsoka and was like you promised me a jedi and he's like, yeah, I, I did get you a Jedi. Where's my reward? And, he, and the Inquisitor's like, you want a reward for falsehood. You told me there was going to be a Jedi here, and I have seen no one. And then Ahsoka's like, yeah, well, I'm right here. And she fights the Inquisitor without using a lightsaber. Ahsoka just went full badass mode and just defeated an Inquisitor without using a lightsaber It was so sick. It was absolutely amazing. Defeats him in literally like five seconds. And then she's kind of just like, yeah, I guess I am part of the force again. And I believe it might have cut to where she contacts Senator Organa and joins the rebels. Not like the rebels, but like just joins Organa's rebellion. Not entirely sure. That's also why I want to watch this through because overall it was just simply a masterpiece. I mean, the episodes are so short, and my expectations were high but low at the same time, and they blew them out of the water. Like I said earlier, there might be a season two of this, and I really, really hope there is a season two of this, because it is absolutely amazing in every way, shape, or form. That's about all I got for you guys today. I want to thank you so much again for tuning in to the Marvel Galaxy podcast where we talk about everything Star Wars and Marvel. This upcoming week, I am going to see Black Panther, but I will wait a little bit to talk about it or I will give a spoiler-free review just because I want to give everyone time to see it and I'm a super nerd and I will be seeing it the Thursday night that it comes out. Like I mentioned before in the beginning of the podcast, if you want to catch up-to-date news on everything, go to my Instagram, the.marvelgalaxy, or I believe there's a Facebook page now for myself that is up and running. I've had some issues with it. Same name, The Marvel Galaxy. And let me know what you guys think. I would really love to hear your feedback. Hopefully, now that I'm done being sick, I can get back to uploading weekly. But I will let you guys know if anything changes on that Instagram. Once again, thank you all for listening, and I hope you all have an amazing day.